Morning Liberty. So if, uh, just wondering, like, what do you think, Charlie, if, if Joe Biden and Donald Trump were to get into a physical altercation, like, who do you, honestly, who do you think would win? I got to go with Biden. Handsy Biden. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. He's, I think he's had more practice putting his Just hands on. Just being more hands on? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. I like it. Do you think also like he would be able to use Trump's hair as like a, a one of his weaknesses also? Because I got to think he'd be pretty protective over it, right? But, well, it's like, is Trump's hair like Samson's hair from the Bible where like if you mess with it, you know, it takes away his powers? I I couldn't. I could not uh, compare Trump to many people in the Bible, but maybe Samson. <laughs> well, I, don't I mean, there were a lot of sinners in the Bible. True. Yeah. That's true. Most of them were terrible people. Yeah. So well, I'll take that back then. Yeah. So yeah. this is a, uh, you can compare it to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought we should open it up with a, a very important interview question because you never know if you're going to get asked that someday. Yeah. <clears throat> I got a question for you, Nate. Yeah. So, I was thinking today, like, well, these thoughts occurred to me and I was, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. Like, is the world as doom and gloom as it's portrayed to be? Is there like anything to look forward to in life or is it all just like going to come crashing down? Obviously Trump became president, which is crazy. Uh, Iran, we're getting ready to go to war with Iran. Like there's all this doom and gloom out yeah. there, right? Is there any purpose to continue in life is when, it, are things as bad as they seem whenever i so whenever i think about how terrible i think things are i always try to remind myself that i think every civilization has always thought that they were like in the end times you know uh, but you know at one point in time um there were bombs being dropped on other countries that were like you know massive atomic bombs you know there were uh there were millions of people being killed by you know certain regimes around the world uh there if you were to look at today's times it, you know technically as far as things that have occurred throughout history it's it's not that bad it's not that bad i think like there's right now today there's never been a better time to be a human being yeah technically speaking for sure if you look if you just look at history itself you needed something yesterday while we were working and uh you you were like oh maybe i can get this today and then like the the little like a little amazon fairy just dropped a brown paper bag on your on your front doorstep everything i needed was in the bag yeah that's crazy what a time to be alive that is crazy there's not been a time in history where where you could do that well, I'm, I'm, you know, prime now, get this. Imagine if you, you had six kids and you got to load up the station wagon to go to the hardware store, you know, just to get yourself a Coke and a candy bar. Yeah. But those were the days, right? Definitely. Is the, that back what we want to back in the station wagon days? Is that the make America great again days? Is that what we're trying to go back to? I guess so. I don't really, I don't want to. Yeah. Whenever I think about make America great again, you know, what are we talking about going going back to anyway uh because now even even while obama was president uh it was far greater time for human beings overall uh than it was in the 1950s for sure it's better for everyone 
What's you know? changed? What what has changed though? Because I was talking to a friend last night, and you know, I, I think I have an idea. But what is what exactly has changed to where our culture? When we talk about make America great again, I don't think that that's. I don't think people are just saying that. I think they believe in it for a certain reason. And here's a good example. Look at all the school shootings that have happened lately, or at least we have more coverage of them. But if you go back statistically and historically, they're a lot higher than they used to be. And there's a good you know, analogy that a lot of conservatives use that say, well, back in my day, you know, when I was going to school in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s, you know, we took our we actually took our guns to school like we left them in our truck. But we went hunting before and after school and we were able to bring our guns on school property and school shootings didn't happen. So is that what they mean? Like make America great again by changing the culture to where your to where the thing, the bad things that are happening today are culture related and people are deciding to make terrible decisions. Well, I think definitely going back to a time where you could safely own a, you could have a firearm in your truck and, and not ever conceive of the idea of, of uh, taking it inside and, and killing your, your fellow classmates. I mean, that I think that comes a lot from just our, I think that, I think hatred towards, towards other groups of people is definitely on, on the rise in our society. I would still say overall in the world, you know, we're at, we're at a better point in human civilization than we were a hundred years ago. I would say that, but as on like a, on like a micro level, I would say that, uh, it's definitely getting, getting a lot worse. I think we are seeing each other less and less as, as other human beings. You know, I think social media has a big, big part to play in that for sure. Uh, it's the whole idea that you can say whatever you want to someone else on, on Facebook, uh, you know, crazy things that you would never say to people in, in person. And I think that, I think the ability to do that to people all the time has kind of dehumanized everyone in a, in a lot of people's eyes. I so. can agree with that. Um, I have another question for you. Yeah. Dude. So we used to, both of us used to play music. I went on the road a lot and most people I met were like good people. So did you have that same experience? Do like, do you think most people are decently good, although they have selfish tendencies, but like most people you met cause you traveled all over the world playing music. Most people you met were like good people, right? It wasn't a bunch of doom and gloom out there. Definitely. I, w- I wouldn't say I met, uh, of all the people that I, that I met through all those years of playing music. Um, I could I could maybe think of like two or three people that I that I came across that might have actually been uh you know down to their core just actual bad people who who wanted who wanted terrible things for for the people around them. Uh, other than that, uh even in all the other countries I went to. I mean, I've been in I've been in Kuwait and Bahrain and and parts of Africa and and uh you know, UAE and all that and even you know, all the people I met over there were just generally, you know, happy, nice people. So you had to have a security team in Kuwait, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We had, when we were in Kuwait playing, we did a armed forces tour. Um, they, the, we had like a, some Blackwater guys, um, 
as our security while we were there. And they told us we were surprised because we went through a lot of other countries in the Middle East and we didn't have to have like 24-7 security. Um, but when we were in Kuwait, they said that the uh, that there's kind of a kind of a backdoor deal where um, Kuwait's got a lot of ISIS members there. They, they can come there, go to Kuwait City, they can party, they can do all those things. Um, they can even get some little hookups from the from the government and in exchange they don't commit any violent acts in Kuwait. So that's something that Kuwait has done to uh to make themselves safer, but but they did tell us that you know the, we can't guarantee they would stick to that rule if they were to see an American band over here walking around. And uh so that was pretty crazy. Everywhere we went we had uh, you know, a car half a mile in front of us, checking the road, make sure that there was nothing set up. Uh, we had a car to the side of us, to the side of the bus. That anytime we turned, it would they would go out and block traffic to where no one from the other roads could could uh, ram our bus or anything like that. Nice. We had a we had a car that was following um, two to three centimeters from the back of our bus, I would say, <laughs> um, and uh, you know it was just back there all the time. So uh, I mean, it was pretty. A pretty crazy experience as far as as far as that went. It's pretty fun. Didn't Met a couple they, actors while we were there too. Didn't they rent out like um, most of the hotel or something? Yeah, yeah. We had like the whole floor and uh, and uh, it was pretty pretty locked down for sure. The first morning we went down there, we hadn't met all the security people yet. We knew we were going to be meeting them. We went down, um, and the first guy that uh, the first guy that came out um, came up and shook our hands. Uh, real nice dude introduced himself. I thought he was part of the security team, although I thought he looked familiar for sure. Um, and then he went up to our bass player, Dustin, and Dustin doesn't have a bag in his hand. He literally dropped the bag in his hand, put his hands on the sides of his face, and said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so it was a guy. His name is Matthew Lillard. He uh, would be most easily known as the guy that played Shaggy in the Scooby Doo movies. Um, but then he also had a a bunch of other roles also. Nice. Um, like a, she's all that and scream and then all kinds of different stuff. And then we had a Robert Patrick, the guy that, uh, the, uh, the guy that would be most notably for, uh, most notable for playing the, uh, the bad Terminator and Terminator Two, the, li- the liquid metal guy that would like, you'd see him like running, chasing after them and everything. Like that was like one of his first big things, but he's been in a ton of other stuff since then. So really cool dudes. And uh, they weren't part of our security team. We met the security team after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Moral of the story wasn't I, them. I didn't, like yeah. part actor, part security team. That's that didn't happen. No, they okay. were not. They were not doing that. But yeah, all the traveling, like a lot of really good people. It didn't. It wasn't as doom and gloom as what you see on Facebook all the time. I like. I literally felt the same way. You know, I traveled most places, and almost everyone I met, like they were just happy people. Now, of course we were playing music for him. Like music makes you happy. Yeah. We can get into why that is, but, (laughs) but music makes you happy, but, but still there's not, I think the media portrays this like crazy polarized world where all this bad stuff is happening. Now I'm not to say like, I I do believe that a lot of bad things happen in life, right? A lot of, a lot of tragedy happens to a lot of people. Uh, but for the most part, especially in today's age, uh, we're way better off than we were even 50 years ago. Absolutely. It's, it's just unbelievable where we've come from. 
you even look at uh, you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah. So you look at AIDS and what happened. Like it was killing millions of people. Now all of a sudden, like a lot of people get HIV and they never yeah. even develop AIDS. Not a big deal. Yeah. In like 10 years, they develop drugs or a Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Man, that's a good, good movie. One. Good movie. That's a crazy movie. Yeah. Good I stuff. didn't. Uh, I just recently watched it. Even though that movie came out a long time ago, I just recently watched it like maybe last year. Really good. Matthew McConaughey, one of his best. How much weight yeah. did he lose for that thing? Uh, Jesus. All, all of it. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And uh, Jared Leto playing. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I don't remember what her, her name was, but, um, you know, it was uh, a really great, really great movie for sure. But yeah, 50 years ago, I mean, it's you, you wouldn't be able to uh, get on your phone and post about how uh, how bad things were because you, you didn't have your cell phone. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to to. FaceTime call your family or you you wouldn't be able to uh, if you were stuck on the side of the road you wouldn't be able to even call for a tow truck or if you needed assistance and you weren't at home you wouldn't be able to dial 911 I mean there there's there's a lot of things that we take for granted today that people people back if we actually had to live how people did 50 years ago we would think that we were just among the poorest people in the entire world not even 50 years ago though. Yeah. Like, no, not even let's think about 20 years ago because yeah. dude, I remember growing up when I was a kid, my grandparents would come get us from Louisiana and they would take us down to Louisiana every day. And there's this bridge in Louisiana that you go over to get to my grandparents' house and it goes over the Atchafalaya basin. It's one of the longest bridges in North America, I believe because the bridge itself is 18 miles long. So you're on a bridge for 18 miles. And back before cell phones, you don't see these anymore, but back before cell phones, they had staged call boxes on the bridge. In case of an emergency, you could go to one of the staged call boxes and uh, phone for help. Yeah. Um, and now they don't, they're not even there. Like they took those out. Yeah. But that's all you had. And that was like a genius idea. And we used to play this game because I believe, if I remember correctly, this was 20 something years ago, if I remember correctly, the phones were staged like every, it was like one mile, three miles and five miles. So like it was like mile marker one, there was a phone and then mile marker three, there was a phone and mile marker five, there was a phone and then it was mile marker six. So one mile, it went like yeah. a one, it was like a one, two, two ratio or something like that. I don't know why they did it like that. My grandpa always used to ask, like, what what mall marker is the next phone going to be on? He <laughs> just plays, that's case. how I became so smart, by the way. <laughs> just that right <laughs> there. To, we used to play those kind of games. Yeah. Yeah. Now we all just sit and look at our phones, you know, whether right. you're, you know, in the back seat, driver's seat, doesn't matter. Right. You know. So why do you think people are so unhappy right now and think that the think that everything's just about to implode? I, like, I honestly think it's we're playing a dangerous game of if you're not with me, you're against me. I think I mentioned this on another episode, but to dive deeper into that, like I saw this post not that long ago and there was this woman had taken a picture of her neighbors. Well, actually her neighbors made a post and one had a sign for Trump and one had a sign for Clinton and they were a married couple and they were like, uh, we can agree to disagree. We love each other, even though my husband's voting for Trump and I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. 
And this girl made a long post about it saying that you can't support anyone or be married to somebody who would ever vote for Trump because Trump wants to put people in prison and wants to take away our rights and do all of this stuff. And it's like, that that's the whole, if you're not with me, you're against me game. It's so dangerous. Very dangerous. Yes. Because people have differing opinions because yeah. not everything in this world is black and white. It's yeah. just not, I was, you know, I was talking to a friend last night about some of this stuff. It's like literally the lack of communication that happens. And this whole idea of if you don't agree with me right away, then we're enemies. And so I, I like drew up this hypothetical scenario with my friend and I was like, what if you went on a date with somebody? And cause I feel like this is what happens now. If you went on a date with somebody and like, you just asked them a question, you're trying to get to know them, but it's very, you don't have a discussion really. You're just trying to see what their answer is to decide whether you want to be with them or not. And you ask them a question, like say you're pro-choice and you ask the person the question, are you pro-choice or pro-life? And that person answers pro-life and you're like, well, don't want to be with you. See ya. Yeah. Bad yeah. date. Or like, did you vote for Trump? Yeah, I voted for Trump. Oh, no. Yeah. The, the rest doesn't matter what else we have in common or what else we could agree on literally everything else. But it's like these one, these few things that people think are like dangerous, you know, like, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, you can't support Trump because obviously like he's an, uh, he's a neo-Nazi or he's a Nazi sympathizer. It's like, well, one is not true. Yeah, <laughs> that's the big but, part of it. But at the same time, it's like I, I I agree that there are some things that you can't, you know, like if you went on a date with somebody and be like, do you like to murder people? And that person was like, yeah, man, yeah, I like murdering people. That's one. That's one that you Strike can't. Strike one. Right. Now, they get a couple more, right? <laughs> Legally. Right. Yeah. There are some things you obviously can't agree with everybody on. But for the most part, a lot of these controversial issues like abortion or Republican views, Democrat views, mainly we all know Republicans and Democrats are the exact same pretty much. But for most of these, you have to be able to have civil discourse. Yeah. And I think what's happening is people, we have so much information, right? We're so connected now on social media. What's happening is we're not, we're paying attention to what our neighbors are doing uh, politically. And we're not actually having conversations with them about like how their day's going. Like, yeah. Hey Susan, how's your kids doing? You know, <laughs> how's how's Zachary? Is soccer practice going pretty good? Like like you're a normal human being, right? Yeah, and I think we're we're also we're kind of generalizing everyone's views a, a little bit a little bit too much because you could say, uh, oh, that person likes Trump, so I can't be their friend or I can't date them, and and that's about it. Because what if they like Trump? because they like his economic policy as far as business taxes go uh but they can't stand him on anything else but they decided that his that that uh, lower taxes was the best way to help the most amount of people achieve the the best lives that they rather, could rather rather than you know, voting for Hillary where that wouldn't happen yeah so uh or if you found out you know maybe they voted for Trump because they down to their core hate Mexicans and they think that Trump is the easiest route to not ever having the Mexicans in our country. Now then that's a, a pretty big red flag for the person that you're looking at, at dating or, or being, <laughs> being friends with. So 
So there, there are differences. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, like most things there's, it's a multivariate equation. You know, it's not just, Oh, I supported Trump. So that means, you know, all, all of these things are true. It's, it's maybe there was, maybe there was one of them, you know, right. Who knows? Maybe you supported Hillary because you, maybe it, it was purely because you thought it was time for a, a woman president and you didn't care about any of the other issues. Well, you know, I could let that one slide. That's okay. But honestly, I will say, maybe I'll make myself sound bad here, but I wouldn't, you know, if my wife was, if my wife was a Bernie Sanders supporter, um, I'd make her pay for the divorce. <laughs> you know, like that's just, uh, to me, I just wouldn't be able to right. do that because there's a, there is a core belief system inside of, inside of that. But then again, that, that's not entirely true. Maybe, maybe there are parts, uh, you know, that made you support Bernie Sanders that, that don't really mean that you can claim ownership to other people's stuff. Maybe you don't mean that, you know, maybe you just, you think that we're all, uh, inside of a very unfair game right now and that Bernie Sanders might be the, the best person to even out the game that we're, that we're playing. You know, so, something like that. If we're if we're looking at life and your success and your career uh, as some big game, and you think that the people at the top have rigged it in their favor, then then maybe you support Bernie Sanders for that reason because you think that he's going to to derig the system to where it's more more fair for everyone. And so that's I could let that one slide, you know. But if you think that I made more money, so you somehow have a claim to even out the two of our, uh, the difference between the two of our income, uh, because of equality, then that's, that's not cool. Yeah. Your wife come home, comes home crying and you're like, honey, I don't know why you're crying. I'm the one that has to divorce you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, uh, Bernie Sanders didn't win. And I'm like, okay. Uh, when are you going to pack? <laughs> like, let's get down to the real issue here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still here? <laughs> there was no. That's that's mean. That's not true. So my favorite Supreme Court justice is Scalia, the late Scalia. Yeah. Um, because if you ever go and read, God, I'm such a nerd. If you ever go and read his opinions and dissents, like most of them are egotistical and hilarious, and that's kind of the way that you know he did things. Um, but he's he was obviously a genius, and he was asked one time in an interview. I think it was with uh, about Sotomayor, however you pronounce her name, Sonia Sotomayor. Close Ma- enough. Yes. And obviously they pretty much vote opposite like every time. And he was asked like, you know, how do you get along with basically the justices that you disagree with? And it's like, he was like, he's like, oh, well, he's like, we're all friends. We hang out, you know, we go to dinners and stuff like that. And he's like, we may disagree fundamentally ideologically on how the law applies and, and how to read what the constitution was intended for, whether it's original intent or whatever. He's like, we may disagree on a lot of those things, but it doesn't change the fact that she's a talented, smart human being. Like she just, she comes from it from a different angle. And I think those angles are shaped a lot throughout your life. It's like, you know, I, my, I have, I have a brother that I disagree with on almost everything but like I'd still take a bullet from, you know? Yeah. Like we disagree ideologically 
He's a big Bernie Sanders fan. And we started a website. And, well, you got the URL. It's called BernieLies.com. Yeah. And actually, we posted an article yesterday. And my brother was talking to me about it. It's the payday loan article. So go to BernieLies.com. It'll take you right to that article. It'll take you to the tab where the yeah. article's on there. And you can read about the absurdity of payday loans with annual uh, interest rates. But my brother and I, was he was texting me about it last night and this morning. And we disagree fundamentally on a lot of those things. And, but I still love him. You know, I'd still obviously take a bullet for him and do anything for him because he's a, still a good human being. Yeah. Well, most he's of just, he's just, he, <laughs> I don't I try not to sound mean. Yeah. You know, cause I don't want to be mean. I want to be funny. It's more funny. You're, he b- just, by the way, he's, he's one of the, uh, smarter people I've, I've probably ever met. Right. I would say he's not dumb. Yeah. No, no, just he's maybe. One, yeah. If, if dumb were smart, then he's one of the dumbest people I've ever met. Yes. There yeah. you go. Is it opposite day? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks dude. <laughs> But, you know, that's an important point. And you're, th- you know, this is your brother. So we can say, okay, well, obviously you guys are brothers. So you're not going to, you're not going to hate your brother. But if you were to look at it, I actually have this down as a, as an article uh, topic for some, for some time. But uh, all of us, we really all have pretty much the same underlying goal, which is uh, to have uh, a meaningful life where you, uh, have several bouts of happiness throughout and uh and you actually feel like there there's a chance and and that your children are going to have a better life than you are and yeah. all of those everyone can basically agree that that is their fundamental goal whichever side of the aisle they fall on the well I won't say aisle because then that implies you're in congress and your fundamental goal might be money or power but uh people it, your your fundamental goal is just seeking a, a better life for the people that, that come after you, for yourself and then the people that come after you. You know, it's funny. You and I both, like, we may dog Bernie Sanders all the time because he's economically illiterate. But yeah. we actually agree with almost all of the issues that he points out. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. He points out the real issues. Yeah. The problem is the solutions are so historically devastating. Yeah. That how could you ever go along with it? It's, it? He's not wrong on the issues at all. It's like uh, if you if you want to think about the Citizens United case where they where you're going to define a corporation as a person, then you you think that. So if you're on the 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 Bernie Sanders side of the aisle and even some of the libertarian side of the aisle, you would you would think um, we need to know who it is that's donating money to these political people. We need to make sure that we can, that we can keep track of this and, and we need to make sure, okay, if people are doing uh, corrupt things within government, we need to increase all of our regulations and, and all of our powers and, and put more people in charge. And, and that that is somehow going to fix the situation. Uh, But, but actually what you find is they're really just, it doesn't it doesn't fix the situation at all actually uh, there's no way that if 
if corporations are buying off the government so the government passes laws in, in their favor, you can't stop that by increasing the government's role in their power over corporations. That just, it, it makes the problem worse. You can't put a new person in charge, this, this angel that you're going to find that's going to regulate this process and make sure that that doesn't happen. You don't know that that person can't be bought off, and now you've given the government even more power. You know, it's the government sees that corporations are buying off lawmakers to create regulations in their favor, and that's and that's a problem. And he says, "Well, we need to increase our power over corporations. That way, they can't do this." And really, the answer is that you need to decrease the power of government over corporations. Because then the corporations have would have no, no reason to buy, no, to buy the to government. Buy. There's the, nothing to buy. There's no the, product the, or service. The government has power over the economy. So people in the economy are trying to get control of that power. If the government takes away, if the government no longer has power over the economy, then there would be no reason to funnel money to anyone's political campaigns because you would be buying nothing. We, ta- we talked about this when Trump was elected. Um, but a lot of things that we talked about when Trump was elected was the fact that you don't actually fear Trump. Yeah. It's the office. It's the power that the office holds that you fear. And so, okay, well, you so if you're on the left, you had your guy in there for eight years, let's say, with Obama, and he usurped his power and did all the things that you wanted him to do. But the problem is, is you gave him that power. And now somebody you don't like is in that office. Trump. Yeah. And now Trump has that power that your guy used to have. And guess what? All these conservatives. This is why I get so mad at conservatives. I almost get more mad at conservatives. It's like you don't. Honestly. You literally forget history that just happened a couple years ago. Yeah. So you're willing for your guy to be able to usurp power because now it's your guy doing it. And the Democrats did it. So we get to do it. The And then, so then what happens say a guy like Bernie Sanders gets elected to president. Now he's got even more power than the president before and the president before that. And he can institute all these other changes. And you got conservatives mad about the president usurping power, but they were okay with it. You know, when our guy was doing it and you just end up in this visual vicious cycle. And literally if that power didn't exist, you would never have to worry about who the president is ever. The only for sure thing that happened throughout that entire sequence you just said is that the government gained more power all yeah, the time. Yeah. That was it. That was the only thing that happened. Every second that passes. Yeah. And it's it's very hypocritical. And honestly, all the, the, the Constitution-waving conservatives are the ones are that are close to the most frustrating they could be the most frustrating people right now because a couple years ago they were screaming about the constitution and and obama's executive orders and how you know didn't you know obama might have had good reasons in his ideology for the reasons that he was placing those executive orders uh and conservatives really not arguing uh, any kind of ideology, they just say, "Hey, this is against the Constitution. The the uh, president doesn't need to be making executive orders. This is unconstitutional. We can't do it." And then, you know, Trump's in office. Ah, totally fine. The president can totally make executive orders. What are you guys talking about? We have to. Congress isn't going to do anything. That's his only option. You know, 
the only uh, Congress isn't passing anything, so the, the president has to make everything an executive order. It's, he's, it's, fi- he's fighting for the American people. <laughs> it's insane. It's right. completely insane. And the only thing that would have won through that whole process was if people kept their principles. That that was it. If your principles uh, dictate that the government shouldn't have any kind of power, that the president shouldn't have the power to uh, usurp Congress all the time, which is the American people, by the way. That's what Congress is. It's your representatives. It's it's you. So now you have the executive who you're uh, allowing to usurp your power. Um, if we actually just kept our principle was that the president can't do this, then... When Obama's president, the principle is the president can't do this. When Trump's president, the principle is the president can't do this. And that's the only thing that would win the whole time is if people just kept their principles. But now it's everything's subjective. And I give socialists a hard time about their subjective reality that they change all the time. And honestly, conservatives are doing the same thing. It's a little disappointing. Well, and it's, it's almost like... Part of it is I feel like conservatives have almost been backed into a corner because because really it was the left, the political left, whether Democrat or whatever, the political left started playing this game of if you're not with me, you're against me. And it's almost like what happened with Trump, what Trump is, is the political right saying, oh, thanks for punching us in the face. I'm going to smash your head with a hammer. Yeah. Like that's the idea behind Trump because I... I have family members that like love Trump. And when I legit asked them why, cause I was trying to understand this phenomenon. What is it about Trump that makes him like the best president ever? Like, why do you feel that way? And I legit wanted to know. And the most, the number one answer I got back from almost everybody I asked that question to was the fact that he is willing to fight back. Like a lot of my family said, we're tired of being kicked down all the time. Yeah. Like, and so literally that's what like a lot of people I feel like on the right side of the spectrum were like, we're tired of giving in all the time. We wanted somebody that would punch back. And I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up for yourself. I don't know if that's right. That's kind of more of empirical evidence just by me asking Trump supporters that I'm close to. And look, I think the president's done a lot of good things. I think and I think, but I think he's also done a lot of bad things and I wish we could find a balance in between stop being, how do we get people to stop being so emotional towards a party or a person and to look at principles like you were talking about objectively to where we can decide like nobody's freak, nobody's freaking perfect, man. Like nobody is perfect. Yeah. Like if you think you're perfect, well, you're wrong. Yeah, you're you're, act, you're just wrong. You're just a little bit so, less perfect than you already were. If you if you think you are right, so how? Why can't we judge? Why can't we judge policies and people on the merit of what they produce, not what they say? Not well, they did all these good things, so I can't be mad at him for doing this bad thing. Why can't we just judge the outcome of? the policies and the things that happen. For instance, like tariffs, like if you're a Trump supporter, how can you not see tariffs are a bad thing? Like when Walmart's going to raise their prices because now they have to, because they're not getting cheap goods from China anymore. Like literally hurts the consumer. 
you think this really helps our the trade war with China? Yeah, that's one. That's an important point to make. Is uh, I saw this on another on another article. So borrowing, but you know, Trump was out just boasting about all this money that's coming in from from the tariffs. And the thing is, like, China isn't paying the tariffs. You know, the American people are. That those are the people who are paying the tariffs. The they're, Chinese companies aren't. Yeah, they're not no, paying the, any of them. The American companies are going to pay the tariffs, and then actually the companies don't pay the tariffs. Their customers do through the way of higher prices. So it's a when he talks about all this money that's coming in, look at all the money we've gotten from tariffs on China. It didn't come from China. That money came from the American people. It was just another tax. It's a, you know, oh, he the Trump tax cuts the, that are... Uh, nearly getting outweighed by by the Trump tariffs, and somehow people can't separate the two, and that's because of emotion. Their their emotion about uh, it can go back to that fair game scenario. They think we're trade is now it is an unfair game now, and that and that people aren't aren't playing fairly, and so we have to we have to pick you know use subjective logic and principle to to pick different people uh, to punish, even if it goes against all the principles behind liberty, the, the entire, the idea of America, which is that we should basically free trade between individuals. Uh, there's, there's no reason that the, the, the government should be having any role in raising the prices on anything that you're buying and then act like that's a good thing for you. You know, a funny way, uh, like prices are, well, how things are factored into the price. So I found out that Yamaha Motorsports, like every product they make is dangerous, right? Like mm-hmm. they have like the Raptors and the ATVs and the, the dirt bikes and they got motorcycles and stuff like that. Like almost every product they yeah. make is dangerous. drum sets. Well, that's no. a different, different division. Yeah. Different Yamaha. Yeah. We're talking about motorsports here. Okay. Well, so since every product's so dangerous, they literally have a team of lawyers for every product. So the team of lawyers can be, they can fight the case, this lawsuits that are inevitably going to come against them. And they're specifically for each product so that the lawyers don't have to concentrate on more than one product. They can literally concentrate on like, okay, if we get sued for this Yamaha four wheeler, um, we already have a team of lawyers that have already worked a bunch of cases doing just that Yamaha four wheeler. So they know what to do. It's like, so, so they have, but like, it's not every product has just one lawyer. Like a whole team of lawyers. Yeah. They're the all whole floor of lawyers. They're, they're all tort working. defense lawyers. Yeah. It's literally what they are. And so if you think about that, it's like every single one of those lawyers' salaries, every single team, that's all factored into the price of what yeah. your ATV costs. Yeah. You think all that, of that. You think taxes aren't factored into the price right. of what your ATV costs? You know, that if you're a if you're a business owner, you can boil it all the way down to the lowest business owner and the amount of money that you need to make in a year to survive and you're selling this product, uh, you're going to factor in the fact that you're going to pay, you know, 20, 30, 40% out in taxes some, some way. Even if Yamaha, so say Yamaha was importing steel from China. Well, now there's a giant tariff on it. So it basically is more expensive or about the same price as an American steel company now. Yeah. So, so then, so Yamaha is going to, well, let's say, oh, they're going to use American steel now, which sounds good in theory, but here's the problem. If the steel costs 20% more, 
from America than it did from China, then the price goes up at least 20%, if not more. Yeah. Because, because, because you have to factor in that cost somewhere. Like you, do you think Yamaha is going to eat that? You know, you think these lumber companies, you think the, anybody's just going to eat that? No, rich people are smart. They're not stupid. That's why they have offshore accounts and they've got a bunch of accountants working. And that's why they don't hardly ever pay any taxes. Even though they still pay a lot, they really don't pay that much, relatively speaking, percentage wise, because they're just not stupid. Yeah. And you think, I love that video uh, that Neil Cavuto did with that college girl. And he asked her, like, well, what happens if all the rich people leave? And she's like, oh, well, there's always going to be rich people. It's like, no. 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 Not at all. Ask what, uh, like, look at what happened in the USSR. Like, yeah. the smart ones got out. Yeah. Look what happened in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't talk about Venezuela. Though. All That's, all the smart ones got yeah, out. You're strawmanning right now. This is a, Am I? Yeah. You're just strawmanning. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, you know, I didn't mean to. You want me to steal man that so, case? Socialists have decided <laughs> that you can't talk about Venezuela because it's a terrible example. Even oh. though, Even though when it looked like it was working, it was a great example. Right, that, that they could talk about Venezuela. But well, yeah, now there's that articles from Vox and Slate and all that back yeah. in what 2009, 2010, even as like as late as 2013. Yeah, before it all came crumbling down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about how democratic socialism was uh, was put in in place in Venezuela and how great things were going for everyone. I, I got a bunch. I pulled a bunch of them up for the for the uh, Facebook page one time, and there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of quotes from Bernie Sanders talking about Venezuela and that. So it was it was okay for the socialist to use Venezuela as an argument now, but then when it doesn't work anymore, it's not real socialism. Not real socialism. It's nope. Never. That how stop talking about Venezuela. Oh, you know, eye roll. Here we go. We're talking about Venezuela again. You know, like that. Like that has anything to do with socialism? Yeah. Come on. So it's I really if, you're, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you got to check out the meme I posted on the Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's crazy that never you have seen never it. seen Game of Thrones. Don't know anything about it. Well, so I hate I hate the ending, but I was thinking about um are you ever going to watch it? Can I just give some spoilers? No, probably it's not. It's been it's been 3 days. People yeah. should have seen the final episode. But this by is now. fair warning. Spo- spoiler alert. Yes. Go ahead and hit your skip button a couple times. Yeah. Or if you don't care about Game of Thrones, go ahead and hit your skip button a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about this archetypically, though, because like yeah. Game of Thrones, the reason why we watch these fire breathing dragons in this medieval time is because it's an archetype. And what happens is Bran at the end ends up becoming king, even though everybody thought like Jon Snow was going to be king. Well, Bran is a is basically the Christ figure or the Horus figure, like because he becomes he gets pushed out of a window, like in season two or three, and becomes paralyzed. But then he like goes beyond the wall. So even though he's paralyzed, he and all, all this stuff has happened to him. He still ventures. He goes on an adventure outside the boundaries, and he meets goes in a cave and meets these weird people, and he becomes the three eyed raven. Well, what does that mean? Like, well, that means he can see. Like he can fly above everything and he can see and he can pay attention, right? That's the yeah. Egyptian God Horus. That's same, Horus. Yeah. Same thing. But then he also is like a Christ figure because in this, in the very last season, second or third or one of the first episodes, he comes face to face with the guy who pushed him out the window and he could have easily given him up and had him killed, but he didn't do it. He showed mercy and forgiveness. And then ultimately he takes the throne. And so like it ended up being 
a correct resolve, but I wasn't expecting a resolve. I didn't care about the resolve. Yeah. I just wanted it to be, I just want to see blood. I just wanted to be the crazy phenomenon that it's been the entire time. And, and it's not, I uh, mean, at least you got a resolve. There's a lot of shows where you, you, you just never get that resolve. I know. You know, you're so, so upset about it, but I had something I was going to tell you about. I woke up this morning and I was getting ready to, to come over here. Um, and work over here at, at uh, Liberty Cast Studios yes. and uh, do do all that work. Um, By the way, we get <clears throat> done. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. I put out a news piece today, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. working on the websites. I had a moment of weakness this morning. We, and well, actually, you became a graphic designer. I did yesterday. I don't want you to forget that. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. I could get on Fiverr and make tens of dollars <laughs> right now. But I had this moment this morning. Like an epiphany kind of moment? No, it was a weakness. It was a weakness moment. Oh. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that it's okay to do this. Um, I started, I was was thinking about, um, you know, all the things that I I think I'm capable of doing, you know, Uh, all the the things that I've, I've, tried and failed at a lot of tried and succeeded and at, at some things and tried and failed at a, a lot more things. Um, and I've always thought that I had, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know. I always thought I had the capacity to do some, some pretty, some pretty crazy stuff. You know, even when I've gone to those seminars and everything and they ask, you know, what you're going to like, I'm going to be the first trillionaire. I'll be the first one, you know, I'm going to, I have all the, and I think it's okay to have those, that kind of confidence in yourself because I mean, but if you're, if you're the first trillionaire, how am I going to be the first trillionaire? It's a good point. Yeah. We could be like Google and Apple, like kind of going back and forth, you know? So I was thinking, um, you know, I have all these things that I've always, you know, if I went into this field, I feel like I could just be best, most innovative person in the field ever. You know, if I went into that field, I could just be, you know, I can think of things to do in that field that, that no one's even thinking about right now. And, and, uh, so I was asking myself, well, why haven't I done that? And it's really always been because of, always been because of money, financial pressure. You know, you, you can't just go into every field and dominate it right now, even if you could like me. But the, uh, the thing that I realized was, that I never do all the things that I that I that I thought I was capable of or that I think I'm capable of just because of financial pressure because time there's never enough time you got to work enough to to pay the bills every day and and uh, got to keep generating income so I had a moment of of weakness where I was like oh maybe maybe that's where you know the idea with with socialism or universal basic income is like how you know how many more people like me are there out there that just don't ever get a chance to to reach their potential even though they are hard workers and even though they are putting a lot in and, and they never make it you know could the argument be made that that through one of those through one of those ideologies or economic policies that that we would actually have a lot more people creating more things because because they wouldn't be so bogged down by by making sure that they were making enough money every day. There's actually a stat that backs that up, by the way. That idea? Yes. Like a, the opposing view? Or yeah. the... No. No, it's from Canada. Oh, okay. 
So gotcha. in, in Canada, I think um, young people are 10% more likely to go into entrepreneurship because they're, they have health care. Yeah. It's not something they have to worry about. And the number, like Canada is developing more entrepreneurs than America, St- like percentage wise. Yeah. Per capita. Yeah, right. We have way more people still. Yeah. But it's like, that's, you know, so I guess you have to ask. I mean, that's a legit question. Yeah. And so first, first point there is, um, I'm a staunch free market libertarian taxation is theft, uh, all of these things. And still I was just running through these ideas and considering whether or not they were actually viable ideas. And it's, uh, I think it's important to still be able to do that, to not just be so entrenched in your beliefs that you would never entertain anything else. So, you know, I don't think that enough people do that. I don't think that enough socialists entertain the notion that maybe freedom and liberty or, uh, you know, economic uh, liberty are, the, are the, the best things for everyone. I think they're entrenched in their, in their beliefs. So uh, first, that's... Number one point. I think it's a good thing to be able to do that. I think I have an antidote to that, though. What's that? Well, go to your next point. I'll number, talk about my antidote. Number two point, uh, when I was thinking about whether or not that system or ideology could, could produce more, is um, no. That's the It couldn't. Okay. It wouldn't. Um, one, because you can bring up the stat from Canada, but then I, would, I could still talk about... Um, all the things that Canada has that came from innovation and creativity and and America uh, and uh, uh, our products, and uh, you can boil that like we did yesterday all the way down to uh, the affordable automobile, which changed the entire world uh, to you know computers and cell phones and and uh, all kinds of things like that 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 came out of this country where if you were to, to shut that off, well then, then would those things have been created because they hadn't been created before that. So is there a, you know, you, you can use these other countries. You can go to a smaller country that can depend on another country's innovation to live off of. So they can have their free time to do their creative stuff. Now they can do that. You can point to Denmark, which is roughly the size of New York City, and say that uh, you know they ha- they're producing more entrepreneurs, uh, all these things. Well, okay, well, take them all the way down to the on- only the things that were created in Denmark is what they need to live on right now, um, and and would they still be producing that many entrepreneurs with the same system with that tax the 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 level of taxation they have right now would would they still be producing the the same things that the same happiness that they're whatever the heck a happiness scale is by the way right um you can't like you can put happiness on a questionnaire right. it's literally different for everyone you can go to the I've met some people in Djibouti Africa one of the poorest countries on the face of the earth that would that would score a 10 out of 10 on the happiness test it's the stupidest not, test it's not you the could same ever as have. Pain. It's not the same thing. You can have, uh, you can have an American that has never seen a day without air conditioning and has all really nice clothing and a and a and a good car and a cell phone and and all these things and lived a, a nice cush life that would answer one out of ten on happiness, 
and then say, well, we should model ourselves off of Djibouti, Africa. Look, they scored 10 out of 10 on happiness. It's all relative. So tangent, my bad. That was a tangent right, right there. That's, that's so, fine. So when I entertained, I was like, okay, well, then what would happen? Um, you know, we'll have a universal basic income. That way everyone can, can uh, have their time to create everything. And um, the problem is, you know, why, why would in, anyone ever work, first off, if there was a universal basic income? So your economy would start to shut down immediately. It's a, well, all those like people that wanted more, I guess, would yeah would do more. But then the cost of everything would balloon so quickly because if you had a, a $25,000 universal basic income and uh, you were going to get paid $25,000 to work at Burger King, um, you would choose to not work at Burger King. So what pay would Burger King have to go up to to get you to want to work there? It would have to go up to like probably thirty five thousand dollars more than likely. So, so there is thirty five thousand, and now you're where a, a a teacher starts after going to school. So now, honestly, your teacher salary needs to go up to about forty five, something like that, to make it worth going to college, and and having that job. Um, and so now you see this balloon throughout the system. Uh, all of these all of these companies that if they were going to attract people to work there instead of sit at home and do nothing, they would have to pay a lot more, meaning they would have to charge a lot more for all of their products, meaning that your $25,000 basic income would no longer be enough to pay for all the things that you need because all you did was increase the price of everything by about $25,000 a year. So it's a, it's a, it's a, dog chasing its tail at that point in time it's not not gonna work not gonna work i think you did a couple cool things here yeah one is you your moment of weakness was a legit thought though right Mm -hmm. so you're like okay if this were the case i could really do a lot of cool stuff but the cool thing about that is is you didn't do what most people do which is you you think about that emotionally and you run with it yeah you're like, oh my God, all my life's problems would be solved if I had UBI because then I could I could do all these ideas and be so awesome at everything if I just had a safety net. Yeah. You actually thought it through, like what would that safety net look like? How does it affect not just me, but everyone else? Is it is it a moot point basically because everything ends up going up by $25,000 a year anyway, so yeah. you're back to where you started. So you actually think about that through. But I have an antidote to your weakness here. And that's because I kind of have the same problem, but the question I have to ask you, the question I'm going to, I'm going to ask and then kind of answer for you would be, cause that's my antidote would be, why are you not in the position financially that you want to be in right now? Like whose fault is that? It's mine. It, right. And the yeah. second part of that is, is that the reason why I know this antidote is because I'm a lot like you. And we're very high in openness, which means we have a lot of ideas all the time that we could be awesome at. And the thing that you have to do is to find something that you can pursue and basically niche down in that department to where you become financially stable enough. You can pursue other endeavors like that's that's what you have to do. You have to find something that you're good at that you enjoy 
to where you can make enough money eventually, like store your what, like literally if you could have anything you wanted in five years. So let's say in five years, I wanted to be able to work on all these crazy ideas right now. I'm boiling the ocean with all these ideas with no income. That's not good. Yeah. So if I want to boil the ocean, which isn't recommended by the way, like you know, it's, it's very hard to do. It is uh, probably impossible. It, like I mean, technically. Yeah. Just all you have to do is wait a hundred years or 12. Yeah. 12 years. It'll be boiling. <laughs> yeah. With climate change. <laughs> so we only have to wait 12 years. So really, if you're out there trying to boil the ocean, just wait. Yeah. Be patient. That's dude, dude, you have to wait. That's honestly what I'm trying to say this whole time. Yeah. It's like a wino eating grapes, you know? Yeah. Dude, just wait, man. That you thing will wait. turn into wine. But <laughs> but I'm the same I'm the same way. Like I try, I have all these ideas. I try to boil the ocean in in a in a metaphorically, you know, connotation. That's what I'm using the ocean as. Yeah. And what you have to do is like, okay, well, maybe if I took uh, a cup of water from the ocean and I spent five years just trying to boil that thing. Yeah. And then once that's boiling and I'm, and I'm doing pretty well, I can take another cup out of the ocean, boil that thing and then take another cup. So if you could have anything you wanted, here's the antidote. Like look at your life in five year chunks. Okay. What do I need to do these next five years to make sure that I'm in a position financially emotionally, physically, all of that to say when I'm you're 31. So when I'm 36, let's do a four year plan. Cause I like, I like the odds fives. <laughs> so you're going to have a four year plan now, Nate. Yeah. So when Nate's 35 and I'm 30, so when I'm 35 too, what is life? What do I need to do? It's my, it's up to me. It's my choice. I'm yeah. free. I can do whatever I want. How do I, what decisions do I make? to set myself up when I'm 35 to make sure I'm financially secure and I can pursue whatever the hell endeavor I want to pursue and be the best at it. Yeah. That's kind of how you have to look at life, right? But even sometimes thinking on that time scale might be too big for you. Like you might have to just set that do a year. Yeah. Set that six months, set that goal and say, what, what does it look like? You know, for what will I look like when I'm, when I'm doing that? And then, what would I have to be doing just before that happens for that to be able to happen? And then what would I have to do before that happens for that to be able to happen? You can boil it all the way down to uh, what do you need to do today to go towards that goal? It might be the smallest thing. Like uh, one of my goals is to get in shape and like be physically fit. I've never been physically like comfortable, physically fit. Remember when... Ever. Remember when we watched Lone Survivor? Yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The guy's walking down the hallway with his... Just jacked. Yeah. And I was like... Just a 20 Come pack. on, man. <laughs> yeah. Just immediate. Immediate yeah. self-hatred right out the gate. Right. Yeah. So that's... Okay, that's one of your goals. Is that's that a, one thing. Is now... five-year goal? Let's say I want to look like Lone Survivor Man. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm Murphy. not going to look Mike like Murphy. him. Not going to look like him tomorrow. Or next week or next month even. There's no Probably way. Probably not next year. But if I'm going to look like him in four years, what do I need to do today that is moving towards that goal? Now, you know? is this the government's fault that you don't look like Mike Murphy from Lone Survivor, the movie, the guy, the actor that portrayed Mike Murphy? No, it's none, none of it's anyone's fault yeah. ex- except for mine. Exactly. That could come down to what food you're eating every day. You know, just simply that. So these are, this is kind of the, some of the choices that you've made. 
yeah, it's almost like everything you do matters. You know, every every single thing is your you you know. I'm a product of every decision I've ever made. Where I'm at right now, financially, you know, physically and emotionally, and all those things, it's all because of every decision I made. Now, maybe not every circumstance was exactly my fault that I was in that circumstance, and I had to make a some kind of decision at that point to move forward. But I, I'm a product of every decision that I've I've made. I could be more financially stable right now if I would have. Uh, if I would have just finished college and went towards some kind of a degree that was, you know, likely to get me a job that was going to pay well, if I wanted to, you were like three credit hours away from your, yeah, that was towards a teaching degree. (laughs) So like I, I had a semester left and, um, and I, that was in Illinois and there's no way I would want to work for the state of Illinois as a teacher. No, no possible way. Yeah. Your pension's gone. Gone. Doesn't exist. Yeah. No way. So, um, but you know, yeah, you know, the cool thing is about things that aren't even your fault. So I thought about this. Um, I read a book, it was Grant Cardone, I think. And he was talking about like, you know, even if you get in a car wreck, somebody rear ends you, like that's still your fault. And I read that and I was like, God, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> like, uh, clearly that's not my fault. And, yeah. he, and he goes on to say like, well, you could have left five minutes earlier. Yeah. You wouldn't have been there or you could have left a little later or you could have stopped somewhere and you wouldn't have been in that situation. But I took it a step further because I don't really think you, it's not enough to say it's still your fault. What you have to think about is, is that if you, the coolest thing about making something that's not your fault, your fault and taking responsibility for it is, is you transition the power from out of your control to into your control. Yeah. So if like, even if something happens to you, that's not your fault. If you make it your fault, you adopt that responsibility. Now you have the power to change it. Like it's up to you. Like you just gave yourself all the power to make that circumstance better. Maybe you can't make that specific circumstance better, but maybe you can make the next one better because you can learn from whatever it is that happened. Even if it's not your fault, like say your wife cheats on you. This is me. Cause that happened to me. I was married for eight months. <laughs> Go me. <laughs> um, but say that happens. They were faithful for two. <laughs> <laughs> let's say, let's say that happens to you, right? Like obviously not my fault. Right. But if I look at the situation, I was like, wow, that was my fault. Like I caused that to happen. Like it's a, it's a terrible thing to do short term psychologically, but it's a, long-term psychologically has so much more, so many more benefits because now I can sit here and think, Nate, you know, like you're my best friend, my best friend. <laughs> I don't think people know that. But yeah. You're my best <laughs> friend. But I can sit here and say like, man, I could have done all these other things better. Like maybe it wasn't wrong that I didn't do them better, but like I could have done so many more things better. And so now I know for future relationship, like, these are all the things that I can improve on because I looked at that situation as if it were my fault. Yeah. That's well, the, that's the coolest thing about your, like your mind. You can switch that power to yourself. It's awesome. You also don't have to make fault a bad, like negative thing. Like a fault just means that if you were to trace it all the way back to what started this, like it had to do with some kind of decision that you made, but it doesn't mean that it's some crazy negative thing 
fault where where you were just an idiot or anything like that or as someone that goes around making bad decisions like i was on my way back from my trip to uh trip to destin with my wife um a couple weeks ago and i was riding um i was riding behind a semi and semi kicked up a rock and broke my front windshield i didn't know uh, that yeah yeah it was it was a mess It, it was bad because i have a i have a fairly new car that has a um camera sensor system mounted at the top of the windshield and not only does the windshield cost five hundred dollars to replace it you also have to pay another four hundred dollars to have the camera sensor system recalibrated afterwards um so it's so it was a big it was a it was a a big deal and um i so i just started you know i had several more hours to drive so i was just tracing this back like what all had to happen for me to end up behind this semi today? Like all the things that had to happen for me to end behind the semi. Well, um, I probably uh, was driving too fast at some point in times. There's a good chance I drove too fast and passed one too many vehicles at, at some point in time to get behind that semi. So there's one, like that's a quick thing. That might have happened two minutes before that. That could have This happened. is like, what, a seven, so, eight hour drive? Yeah. Good so chance I, you might not have been paying good enough attention. Not a ton of attention being for, paid. Yeah. Um, I could have been following too closely with the truck. Now, then you can go further out. Like I made a stop at a, uh, at a gas station. And when I came back to my car, I sat in the driver's seat on my phone scrolling through Facebook for a couple minutes before I left. Right there just right there if i would have gotten the car and left instead of caring about whatever the heck was on facebook no damage windshield if i were to go uh, even further back to when i left the hotel that morning we had to check out of the hotel at 11 a.m and because of my financial situation i was so uh eager to get back on the road and get back home earlier to get back to my crazy mess to deal with at home that I, we left the hotel before our before our checkout time at, at a nice hotel in in Florida. If I would have if I would have had myself in a better position financially or or had my house in better order, I I might have not been so eager to leave. I might have stayed until the checkout, and then I wouldn't have been behind that semi. Could have stayed another time. couple of days. Yeah, I could have stayed longer. It, um, so there's you know, and none of those things mean that like I'm an idiot or that I make terrible decisions all the time. It just means there were several things where if I would have done the right thing, uh, if I just would have done the, the right thing, the most responsible thing that was an option at any point in time throughout that day, then I wouldn't have ended up with a $900 window repair yep. for my car right there, right there. So the, <laughs> it's crazy how you, you can trace that back. And you, and you also see this a lot in relationships, right? Because usually it's always like, well, my relationship is falling apart because my husband's an idiot or my relationship's falling apart because my wife is an ag or whatever it is. Like you guys out, like everybody knows what relationships you have, even with, you know, friends or whatever it is, we want to play the victim and we want to blame all of the problems in our relationship on the other person. And what's funny is both people do that. Yeah. And the hardest thing to do, the hardest thing to do is to look in the mirror and realize like you've got your own demons, man. Mm-hmm. Like you've, 
Like you, you're not perfect. You have a lot of issues that you need to clean up in your own life. Yeah. And maybe if you worked on yourself, like it would improve your relationships. And in fact, it will, like there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know what's wrong with you and you can fix them because you have that power. That's what, that's what changing that responsibility does for you. Like, that's what's so cool about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's hard. It's not, it's not easy. Like it's really hard. But if you're able to start doing it just bit by bit, you know, you could change everything about your life. And the cool thing is you have the freedom to do that. No one has to force you to do it. I heard that Jordan Peterson video this morning, actually, and he was talking about, let's say you're on the the victim side of the spectrum and you decide that it's easiest just to complain and to, to you decide that your option is to complain and do nothing. So that's easy. That's the easy way out just to complain and do nothing. It's not your fault. And so that's, so that's the best part about being a victim is that you just get to complain and do nothing, you know, but the worst part is you just complain and do nothing. And that, and that's it. You have no, you have no control. So it's, it's a a topic of another article I was going to write was that the, the responsibility is on you to fix whatever is going on in your life. And that's a really good thing. Like having, having the responsibility, deciding that you're going to take that up and, and that you're going to fix whatever your problems are, that you're going to look at all the decisions you make and realize that everything you do matters. Uh, if you're, if you're going to decide to do that, that's good. That means, that means you're in control. That's the, that's the best option. And maybe that's why we have such an unhappy society right now is that you're, if you're just sitting around thinking that you have no control over anything and, and that other people are just ruining your life and that you don't have a chance, I mean, you're going to be unhappy for sure. I've got another story before yeah. we wrap this up. Yeah. I was having a Facebook conversation last night. I saw this post where this parent was complaining about his child uh, took a field trip to Dairy Queen, but he got in trouble. They didn't say what he got in trouble for. Uh, So he wasn't allowed to get ice cream, and all the other kids were. Now, granted, maybe he should have stayed at school because he got in trouble, but the craziest part about this post is that everyone was commenting and basically saying how horrible it was. They were literally threatening the teacher, threatening lawsuits, all of this stuff on this teacher because the teacher didn't allow the kid to have ice cream when he got in trouble for something. Now, of course the parent was asked several times, like, what did he do? And they like, I was like, what did this kid do? Because what, what warranted the problem of him or, or, the fact that he was being punished for something and it blows my mind. I don't know how your mom does it. Oh like, no, no like way. I don't know how I literally don't know how she does. She's it. She's a fifth grade teacher, by the way. Yes. Yeah, it's, I have no, it's, it's amazing to me that she, she makes it through the day without any felonies whatsoever. What happens is like these parents, we, there's such an entitlement mm-hmm. that their kid can do no wrong and suffer none of the consequences. I made the comment that, if Parker was acting up at school and they went to Dairy Queen and he was eating ice cream, like I would literally thank God I've got a job. I can do it. I would drive down to Dairy Queen and I would rip the ice cream out of his mouth and make him sit there and watch all the other kids. Yeah. Because here's what happens. That may sound cruel. Like, Oh, 
Well, that's so cruel. Well, you're, you're he, using ice cream. You could put it in the scenario like all the friends, they're all playing games and you have to sit and time out for a little bit and not play games. Right. Let's just say you're not you're not at Dairy Queen. Right. It, well, but here's what happens. Like, okay, this is ice cream and you're a kid. But here's what happens in real life. Like, if you're an asshole in real life and you're causing problems in real life, uh, everybody's going to go do stuff without you. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Because if you get in trouble in real life, let's say, there's consequences. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to play any games with you. Like, you'll never get invited to movies or out to dinner. To Dairy Queen. To Dairy Queen. Like, you're going to be alone. And so these are important lessons that these kids have to learn. Like, okay, if I misbehave, right, and you transition it to the adult world, like, it's if you misbehave as an adult, like, the real world has, con- like, actual consequences that could ruin your life as a kid. It's just ice cream, let's say, or it's a movie or whatever it is. And the problem we have is in this culture where everybody gets a participation trophy is when kids misbehave, the parents basically encourage them in essence. And it's like, if they miss out on an activity that the school was going to do because the student got in trouble, they'll come pull their kid out of school and go do that activity with them or do another activity and act like, it's the school's fault that they messed up, mm-hmm. not their not their own actions that caused that. It just like I don't know how your mom does it. I just like I couldn't do it. I can't even with that kind of you stuff. You can't even. Just literally can't even. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. She's telling me all the time about how she's she's dealing with parents who are, you know, they have her number and they're texting her about how terrible she's treating their kids and all kinds of stuff. Like, oh how how dare you punish my son for uh, let me, let me, like screaming and throwing things all over the room and, and, and hitting his friends and they, how, how dare cursing. you punish my son? Yeah. Cursing, yelling at you to tell, saying that you're, you know, that he's not going to listen to you and he doesn't care if you're the teacher. Like how dare you punish my son for doing that? And let me you put know? this in perspective because your mom was my teacher in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. In middle school. We didn't have middle school, but Seventh and eighth grade, your mom was my English teacher. And was she hard? Yeah. Like we had a paper due every week. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Like that sucks. But you know what? Like she literally made me a writer and she made me able to like articulate a message and speak and learn proper English for most things. I still screw some stuff up, (laughs) but we had to do like, we had to do sentences, all these correction sentences sentences, every single week. We had every to write day. A, a paper. We had a rough draft paper due every Wednesday. You got a chance to revise it on Thursday and it, it was due on Friday. Yeah. Every, and I think it had, what was it? Three to five pages a paper. I don't remember. I think, <clears throat> I don't know if it was that long at, at that, at that point in time, maybe eighth grade. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I remember, mean, I, I remember I went to college and my professor, I got an A plus on my first paper I ever wrote in college. My professor was like, Charlie, uh, do you like to read? And at the time I didn't like to read as much as I do now. So I was kind of like, Oh, you know, I read some magazines and you know, like I don't like dive into books every night, but he was like, well, where'd you learn how to write? And I immediately was like, ah, seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom. I learned, literally. I, I learned way more from her in seventh and eighth grade writing than absolutely through the four and a half years of college and, and four years of high school, not even, not even close. All, all yeah. those classes were, were a breeze. 
for sure. I slept in high school and yeah. got A's. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> but your mom is like, I mean, she's like, she's so sweet and so fair. And she's hard on you because she, but it's because she wants you to do well. Yeah. She's not, it's not like your mom wakes up every day and is like, oh, how can I screw these kids up? Yeah. Like, how can I be not, mean to my kids today? That's not what she does. Like, if you, like, man, she has such a heart for kids and she cares about them being like responsible, decent human being adults. Yeah. And that's exactly what she, why she does what she, that's exactly why she puts up with what she puts up with it. Cause she still actually cares. Yeah. And you have all these parents that just, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's people upset with her for, uh, trying to teach people how to write in cursive, which is not really something that people do. And she realizes that, uh, but she said it's, you know, it's not about writing in cursive. You know, I know you don't have to write in cursive in your papers in college and, the, and all this. That that doesn't matter. It's it's because writing in cursive is an entire entirely different brain mechanism. I don't know what you call it. And then she's listening to this. She'll be she'll be laughing. But it triggers all all these all these different things in your thought press process. Having to you have to kind of think ahead of time while you're while you're writing things and and be thinking about the how you're going to connect the the next letter and 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 all of these things and it it triggers this entirely different reaction in your in your learning process that and then people are just upset with her for you know trying to have people write write in cursive that's there's also there's also a bunch of historical documents that are only written in cursive yeah so if you only know print yeah it might take you i mean you could probably interpret it but might take you a little bit longer to understand like you know you read the declaration of independence and yeah that's in cursive yeah i don't think many people are too worried about reading that yeah i'll say it right to your face in cursive (laughs) (laughs) well dude what do you think i think that's another show pretty good that's a pretty good show another good conversation you guys should go to goodmorningliberty.us if you want to read any of the articles um you're you're on the podcast, so you know where to find us on the podcast. So thank you. Um, share it with your friends, and uh, we really appreciate that. And if you want to see the things that that the trickster Bernie Sanders is pulling over on your kids, um, you can just go to BernieLies.com. That's easy to remember, BernieLies.com, and uh, you're gonna get bounced straight over to all these all these things. Speaking about the the payday loan thing to start with, which uh, they don't have annual interest rates. Just spoiler alert. That's a that's a deceptive statistic used to to control your emotions on the subject. And once you use that, then you you're not able to think logically or rationally afterwards. So if you start something off with a deceptive statistic like Bernie Sanders does on a lot of issues, uh, you're you're no longer going to be able to think through the situation rationally because you're so upset just after reading the first the first couple lines of his tweet. So anyway, go to that, BernieLies.com. Why do we even why do we even do this show? Um I I think we do it the one thing, it's kind of fun just to talk through all of this stuff. It's it's fun to you know, we we can both come up with uh new things that we that we uh that we understand every day doing this, but um I do it because I I'm a big supporter of 
free market capitalism. That's my that is my biggest biggest thing. I think that has brought in just an unmeasurable amount of prosperity around the world that that we can't even we you just you really can't see it anymore. But but it's you know the the free market the people's ability to create and trade with one another um, has has created prosperity has lifted so many people out of poverty uh, that I I believe in these things because I think it's the way to help the most amount of people possible bingo yeah that's it that's like like we said we almost all have the same goal of literally like people having health care and education and more money and to be able to live as free as they possibly can and do as much as they possibly can and have the best human life experience you could possibly ever have ever. And the best way forward for that, we believe deeply is free market capitalism. There's no, there's been no other better idea ever surfaced and we're not opposed to any, but democratic socialism, socialism, communism, fascism, feudism, ismism, all the isms, yeah. they're all bad except for one capitalism and it's still bad, but it's at least the best one we've got that has done more good for all of humanity than you, than we can possibly even fathom. Like what we have today seems impossible. Yeah. Like literally impossible. If you just look at like a hundred years ago, it's just unbelievable what capitalism has been able to do. And it's like, we believe that you have to get back to a foundation of liberty and pursue life, liberty, and meaning and have yeah. a purpose in your life and stop being a victim. Stop blaming everybody else for your shortcomings. It's you. It's on you to adopt the responsibility and be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. Cause not only does that make you better, it makes everyone else around you better. And if you have kids, it makes them better and then their kids will be better. And you literally start a generational change throughout the whole world that makes the whole world better, makes it a better place. That's what we want. We want a better place. We should talk about it more. We should. Maybe tomorrow. I think we'll do it tomorrow. Cool. Right. See ya. Hope you guys have a good day. Good morning, Liberty.